welcome to Encyclopedia Obscura. My name is Casey. And I'm Karen. And this is the podcast where two friends journey through the encyclopedia, one weird, mysterious, or obscure subject at a time. Today's episode is titled P for Pagans. Well, well, well. Here we go. (laughs) If you (laughs) thought we were going to have a fairy tale episode about pagans today, you were wrong. You were definitely wrong. It's about to get dark real quick. So pagans are anyone who believes in an unpopular religion, but the term didn't actually come about until early Christians decided to lump anybody not like them into one group. It's basically Mm. a term to otherize people. Hmm. Other terms used in Christian texts were Helene, referring to Greek pagans, Gentile, an Old Testament term for not Jewish, and heathens, which is not Christian or Jewish. For the most part, prior to the spread of Christianity, religion was local. Even when there were similar gods or gods of the same name in different places, things like dogma and rituals varied. Religion was not organized as we understand it today. Even the Jews, who had existed for a thousand years before Christianity, and it appears so in the Bible to be a widespread religion, it was actually centered in and around Israel, and their practices varied throughout communities. To be clear, Jesus was a Jew, and so Jews were never considered pagans. And Jews were mainly different from others because they believed in one God. Mm-hmm. They believed in monotheism. Hmm. If there is one thing that lumps pagans together, it is that they believe in more than one God. This is particularly important to the Catholic Church and was one of the major points of contention between them and the Cathars. Hmm. And that was my segue into my segment, because today I'm going to talk about a group of pagan Christians that the Catholic Church lost their minds over. Pagan Christians? Really? Wow. Okay, we're going obscure, everybody. Yep. Well, maybe not obscure to everyone, but obscure, obviously, to us. Uh, Yes. Uh, Okay, so these Christians were the Cathars, and they believed in two gods. So they did not believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty. They believed in the good God who created light and our souls, and a bad God who created our physical existence. Hmm. And before I get more into their beliefs, I want to talk about who they were. According to the Inquisitors of the Inquisition, they destroyed all Cathar writing. They weren't completely successful, though, in destroying all the writing, and some primary sources have been found. But most of what we know of the Cathars is from their persecutors. Because, Mm. after all, history is told from the point of view of the victor. Yeah. Ugh. So. Okay. Documents found in Budapest from 1265 suggest that the Cathars have a Byzantine origin, though most scholars believe they were successors of the Bogomils, who were dualist Gnostics, uh, the divine. The Bogomils derived their beliefs from Manichaeism, which was a dualist religion out of Persia, and they took those beliefs and blended them with Christianity. So either way, uh, the Cathar movement began in the forests of France before it spread all over southern France. A lot of things in Europe start in the forest. Robin Hood. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's all I can think of. Big, I was about to say I'm blanking. Big bad wolf. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The big bad wolf. That's not a good thing. So mm, no, the Cathars settled in western 
Provence, France, specifically an area called (laughs) Provincia Provence in medieval manuscripts that spanned roughly from Marseille to Toulouse and included Gascony, Catalonia, and Aragon. A popular troubadour of the time called it the sweet lands of Argans, Beziers, and Carcassonne. The area was once called Languedoc and is still known as such. It has a fairy tale feel to it. Very the beginning of Beauty and the Beast, ancient villages, mm-hmm. sprawling farmland, cathedrals, castles. Oh. I've been to the main castle in the area, Carcassonne. I actually was a meat eater at the time, and I ate duck confit from... Oh, look at you. Yes, very fancy. Okay. Just, uh, and we were sitting, like, outside of the fortress, looking over the landscape. It was very picturesque, very French. And that's the only time I've left the country. <laughs> the name Cathar was first used in 1163. Prior to that, and concurrently, the Cathars were also known as the... I'm going to butcher this. Albigensians. Yep. Sure. Nailed it. (laughs) Albigensians. Apologies again. Once again, apologies to our foreign listeners. We don't know how to pronounce things. We need to do better. We're trying. We're not doing a good job of it. I do my best. You do your best. That's okay. Yep. So the name... I mean, I butcher stuff all the time. So anyway, go ahead. Ah, Yes. The name Cathars comes from Catharoi, the Greek word for pure. Fun fact, my name Karen is the Dutch version of Catherine, whose root comes from the same place. The Cathars were largely considered by non-Cathars to be pure, especially in comparison to Catholic clergymen of the time. The Pope even considered his clergymen to be uncaring and corrupt. Protestant historians often referred to the Cathars of Witnesses of Truth or the Underground Church of the Wilderness. Catholic historians called them depraved. One of the most comprehensive historical syntheses of the Cathars is the history and doctrine of the sects of the Cathars and Albigensians by Charles Guillerme Adolf Schmidt. I did not read this book for the podcast because it's in French. I read an article by somebody who did read the book, (laughs) and he says that Schmidt expressed that while the Abigensians used the Bible, at least in part, and assembled according to ancient ancient evangelical custom, their movement was neo-pagan and theologically erroneous. But the ethics of the Cathari... And their way of life was commendable. Okay. Side note, did you know that scholarly scholarly writing written in English will have excerpts of the original language and no translation therein? Meaning my dumbass only understood about two-thirds of the words I read in researching this topic. That's me just reading normal English. (laughs) Stop. You are not not a dumbass. (laughs) So the Catharist virtues were chastity, veracity, and humility, and prohibition to kill and to hate. Great. They sound like such nice people, don't they? Yeah, they do. I mean, real real gems. I cannot imagine why the Catholic Church had such a problem with them. The Catholic Church went so far as to accuse them of bestiality, incest, and sodomy. Ugh. There's no real evidence of any of that. Especially since celibacy was one of the elements that would make your soul pure. And the Cathars were pretty 
focused on purifying their soul. The church hated them so much because they had similar beliefs, but the Cathars had a lot of very different beliefs as well. Okay, so the things that were similar, Jesus is the Son of God. The Holy Spirit exists. Mm -hmm. There is a good God. So the Holy Trinity is intact. They also believe in original sin. And both Catholics and Cathars believed that their way of life was the only way to be a true Christian. So that's where they started to butt heads. Gotcha. So these are the things that were different. So we already talked about the bad God. They, the one who gave us bodies. Yes. That one. Yes. Yeah. They also believed he created the physical world. And so like anything in the physical world was evil and should not be enjoyed. Good God. I just, no, well, not good God. <laughs> <laughs> but like, why? Why? Um, I, you know, I don't know the why. So, uh, speaking of the bad God, they also believed the bad God was synonymous with Satan, the God of darkness, and the God of the Old Testament. He's not a God. He's a fallen angel. Well, that's very Catholic of you. Okay, fine. (laughs) Pretty much the good God only created souls. So death or the release of the soul from the body was something to look forward to, especially if you led a pure life, because then you would receive salvation. Oh, this is all making sense now. Yes. So if you didn't lead a pure life, you're probably going to be reincarnated on Earth again and be tested again. So God is both male and female, and so are all souls. So, like, it doesn't matter what your genitalia on your human body says. Like, you're both. You're both male and female. Okay. Your soul is. Reincarnation uh, will occur until your soul has completely rejected the physical world. That's deep. Yes. They believed that Jesus never existed in human form because he, being a pure good being, would never have allowed Satan to put his soul into an evil body. And then there's one more thing they believe or they do that is pretty weird. So it's called Endura. It is an end-of-life practice to purify the soul before death. So basically they starve themselves until they pass. Um, And possibly their most offensive belief is they believed men and women were equal. Burn them at the stake. Yep. Karen, get the steak. (laughs) I don't eat steak. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. So I'll get the steak. uh, You know who else didn't eat steak? The Cathars. They were vegetarian. Okay, are you trying to tell me that you have a new religion? (laughs) Well, this next one will throw me right out. Okay. Marriage was discouraged. Well, I mean, maybe I'll join the religion. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) maybe. There were two ways to be a Cathar. One, as a perfecti, or two, as a credente. So, the perfecti were celibate. And the Cathars believed that the use of birth control was acceptable because having children was bringing another soul into Satan's reign. Wow, that's a thought. Yep. But they also believed in hard work and serving, and they believed that it was dignified to work hard. 
and everyone performed manual labor, even the priests. So there was no lying, no killing, and they lived in poverty. So the Cathari believed that anybody could become a perfecti. Uh, sex, age, race, social, and economic standing wouldn't prevent one from reaching redemption. So there are some basic elements to the Cathar rites, so like the rituals. So the first part is apparel hamentum, which is the examination of conscience. Meliar hamantum, which is adoration. I'm not clear on who is being adored. Probably <laughs> God. But sure. But nothing I read said who was being adored, so maybe they were adoring me, the future Karen. Yes, they were adoring you. That, that's that makes total sense. Well, I that definitely happened. I'm telling the story, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go with they were. Ad- She's not vain at all, anybody. She's fine. I don't know. So the third part was consolamentum, which is the laying of hands. And through the laying of hands, the Holy Spirit is passed onto the subject of the ritual. And then the last part is called convencin, convencinsa, convencina. Oh, I can't say words. A lot. And so. <laughs> Great, considering we have a podcast. Yes. Good that you can't say words. Convencinsa. Nope. There are just too many syllables in this. Convencinsa. Convenenza. There we go. How do you spell it? C-O-N-V-E-N-E-N-Z-A. Convenenza. Convenenza. Which is a lot like reconciliation or confession, as Catholics know it, except one doesn't tell someone their sins. They just regret them and, like, they openly act regretful and have another person read scripture over them. After that, they are considered Cathar perfect and must dedicate their lives to the way of Cathar's meaning. They will not eat meat. They will not have sex. They will not drink alcohol. And they will continue to share the faith. I mean, life is too short. Anyway, um, so yeah, no meat, no sex, no alcohol and share the faith. So what happened to the Cathars? Something bad, I assume. The Catholic Church Fantastic. We're back on Karen's favorite topic. This will be the hill I die on. (laughs) I'm sure. In June of 1209, Carcassonne, which is the fortress I talked about earlier, uh, was attacked by Catholic knights and soldiers. The knights and soldiers were promised forgiveness for their sins in return for fighting the Lord's battle for at least 40 days. And then there were many other battles. Well, not really battles, more like massacres, where the crusaders just went through towns and killed <sighs> the Cathars. One of the crusaders, Arnaud Amari, or Amari, yeah, Arnaud Amari, when asked how they would be able to tell who was Catholic and who was a heretic or a Cathar, replied, Massacre them all, for the Lord knows his own. Good God. Yep. So these crusaders just went in there and they were just killing. They didn't care who they killed. They were just killing. And they weren't even really that focused on the killing. It was more that they were there for the plundering. Yep. Sounds about right. Yep. In fact, they robbed people they knew to be Catholic and left them with nothing but their underwear. Why? Because... I they don't, are going to be absolved of their sins suck. anyways. I, I just, I, people suck. The more I learn about history, I mean, I've already said this, but people suck. Yep. The city of Baziers was <laughs> demolished. Another village, Minerve, 
Very close to Minerva. (laughs) Known for its Cathar bishop and welcoming attitude toward Cathar refugees was also sacked. The Catholics were spared here, but 140 Cathars who wouldn't convert were burned in a giant bonfire. 140 burned. Yep. One bonfire. One bonfire. Yep. Over religion. Yep. So, another town, Lavar, met the same fate. 400 Cathars burned. The Lady of Lavar was thrown in a well and stoned to death, and her brother, the Lord of Montreal, was hung along with 80 of his knights. Many of the lords in the Languedoc, in Languedoc, were killed or exiled, not for being Cathars, because they were not, but only, and only partially for not executing the Cathars themselves. They were mostly exterminated so that the church could possess their land and resources. You would think all that would have knocked the Cathars out, right? No, I think they're harder but nope. than that. They are. They still went on, and the Catholic Church was not giving up. So they invented the Inquisition. God damn it. I always thought they came up with that concept to get rid of witches. Oh, we're going to get to witches. I was wrong. All right. So what is an Inquisition in papal terms? It's a system put in place to discover and punish heretics. And how did it work? The Inquisitors could arrest anyone they wanted and torture them. All the Inquisitor had to do was claim that they were either a Cathar or a Cathar sympathizer. The arrested person would have no legal representation, nor could they confront their accuser, and evidence was not presented. The questioning occurred behind closed doors, but the sentencing was public and there were no appeals. There was an excessive amount of burning during this time. Even a woman on her deathbed who confessed to heresy was burned before she could pass naturally. So some people completed suicide as to not endure the torture of the Inquisitors. Some Cathars took up arms and died in combat. And others just converted to Catholicism. And others ran, but were likely hunted down. So a century of violence, infamous atrocities... And the birth of the Inquisition, as quoted from Wiseman, which is in my sources, worked. The Inquisition worked, and the Cathars were driven out. So no happy ending here. Well, I mean, the Cathars did believe that death was a time of joy because their souls would be leaving their evil bodies. Um, So at the very least, they had that. Very least. All right. Great topic. Yeah, so pick this up, Oh, Pace. uh... Yep, I'm going to eat a little cheese. I don't know if it's going to get better. So, so today I'm going to tell you about Hecate. She is, quote, the goddess of magic, witchcraft, the night, the moon, ghosts, and necromancy, end quote. She's also Ooh. associated with crossroads, entranceways, herbs, lonely spots where murderers have occurred... Yeah, that's the whole thing. And poisonous plants. So this woman does it all. Yeah. Well, you're probably going to identify with her pretty closely, honestly. (laughs) In ancient Greek religion, she is the child of Titan Perseus and nymph Astria, from whom she got all of her goddess power. 
Fun fact, because she is the goddess of poisonous plants, the U is sacred to her. So throwback to a previous oh, episode, yeah. I love, yeah. Episode two. Episode two. B is for botany. B is for botany. She's also so, she is also associated with these poisonous plants. Aconite, also called, also called he- Hecates, also called Hecates, Belladonna, oh. Dittany, and Mandrake. Yep. Hesades, H-E-S-I-O-D, no, Hesod. Hesiod, which I might be pronouncing incorrectly. Hesiod, a Greek poet, said that said this about her, quote, The goddess supports warriors, athletes, hunters, horsemen, herdsmen, shepherds, fishermen, and children. Her companions are the Furies, the winged creatures who punished wrongdoings, and her children's are the Amposai, female demons partial to seducing travelers, end quote. So what I'm about to get Ooh. to is that this woman just runs the gauntlet. Like, everything is associated with her. While she has many claims to fame, her biggest one is when she reportedly helped Demeter search for Persephone. So Persephone... Oh, in Persephone Hades. was the daughter of Demeter and Zeus, who was abducted by Hades and is credited with bringing seasons to the world. So okay. this is what happened. Hades, the god of the underworld, abducted Persephone and her mother Demeter, who is the goddess of harvest... Mm-hmm. She was like, "Where, where's my daughter? And meanwhile, while Persephone had been abducted by Hades, he married her and he married her in the underworld. So Demeter eventually hooked up with Hecate and Hecate mm-hmm. helped her find her daughter. And she descended into the underworld and found Persephone and stayed with her. And so she kind of became a um, companion to her because of that, because Hades is not Zeus and actually gives things that are actually, you know, useful to someone. <laughs> Previera earlier episode. Hades gave her the gift of necromancy. Yeah. Oh. And so because Persephone had to be in the underworld for six months, her mother Demeter created the seasons because when her daughter, who was there for the summer and she was helping with the harvest, went down into the underworld, she became a distant and upset about doing her duties, and that's why we have fall and winter. Oh, but I love Yeah, fall well, and I mean, they're just trying to explain the seasons back in the day. Oh, that's true. I'm sorry. <laughs> so her most common portrayal is that of a woman with three faces holding two torches. Like, when she's depicted, she's three faces, two torches. The torches obviously being because of her leading Demeter into the underworld to find Persephone and then leading Persephone out of the underworld because she became friends with her down in the underworld. Wait, she how many three. heads does she have? In the depictions. Well, well wait, wait a second. We'll get to it. Okay. So um, she's also <laughs> she has also been portrayed as having three young female bodies that are just connected to each other. Sometimes they have snakes for legs. Don't know why. Oh, I have seen that artwork. Yes, and I like it. Sometimes she has a snake wrapped around her, and sometimes it's only one woman's body and one face. Mm -hmm. She also Mm -hmm. is sometimes represented as not a woman, but having three faces, one one being serpent, one a horse, and one a dog. When people pay tribute, they would leave things for her at crossroads. This included cheese, bread, eggs, and dog meat. They also, for some horrible reason, would sacrifice dogs to her, which is like, what is the reason for this? I read something like dogs howl at the moon and she represents the moon. And then I also read there might have been something to do with the Egyptian god Anubis, who's depicted as having the face of a dog and is associated with the dead getting to the underworld. 
And Hecate is associated with ghosts, so that might be the connection that they made, but I'm still like, no. Mm -mm. I can read about, listen to about, like, the most horrible serial killers ever, but if you kill a dog, Mm -hmm. like, I am so upset. I cannot handle it. No, absolutely not. In the second century CE, there was a cult in her name, so she's channeling her inner Alexander the Great. I mean, who are you if you don't have a cult Mm -hmm. in your name Mm -hmm. at some point, right? I mean... I mean, you could just be a chicken mm-hmm. nugget corpse. Like, get to Alexander the Great's level, okay? Get a cult in your name for no damn reason. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have a cult in your name, like, who are you? Oh, this was on the island of Aegina, which I looked up, and it's an island off of Greece. It has a lot of temples on it, from which I could tell by looking it up, and it would be totally amazing to visit if we ever could leave our country and see any other human being yeah. ever again. So the cult believed that Hakate could cure mental illness, and that was the whole thing. So come to our island, your mental illness is going to go away with our cult. It was also commonplace way back when to put her image in doorways and at the city gates to ward off evil spirits. Bus.com, yes, bus.com, I have no idea why they named their website that, describes Hakate as the witch who controls other witches. She's described as being the protector of all women, newborns, and witches. But going back to the sacrifice part of this, she also had dogs sacrificed in her name, so I'm not entirely sure. Especially puppies. They actually specified that it was puppies. No! How she's supposed to be the protector of newborns, because puppies are newborns. I know. No! Both the Greeks and the Romans worshipped her. The Greeks made August 13th and November 30th days in her honor. And the Romans made the 29th of every month her day. Festivals for her on those days were conducted at night and by torchlight. And often, I read, they would kill a black sheep. Finally, she also had conflicting portrayals about whether she is depicted as a hag associated to the witchcraft stuff or a virgin associated with her protecting women and newborns. Hmm. So you can find many different versions of Hakate. And that is Hakate. Interesting. I kind of like her. Kind of wish she didn't mm-hmm. kill puppies, though. Well, she never so killed the puppies. She was actually depicted with dogs people. and a lot of different um, mm-hmm. in- imagery. So I think people thought that mm-hmm. I don't know because she has she's a necromancer and she could bring anything back to life. They were like sending the dogs to her, but I still mm-hmm. don't think okay. you should They're hurt a stupid. dog. In my opinion, ever. Never, no, ever heard a dog. Not. So, if you would like to reach out to us, you can find us at eothepodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at Encyclopedia Obscura. Finally, we have a Twitter handle, so tweet us at eothepodcast and let us know your weird, mysterious, or obscure ideas for a future episode. 